0: Welcome back to another episode of the Morning Skate. Yeah, Ked here. I'm with Brownie. This is a special, special, special podcast that we're dropping for you guys. Uh, Brownie,
1: what's going on, man? So we, I was fortunate enough last week to sit down via Zoom uh, with the uh, best female goalie of all time. Can we call her? Woo. She's up there. Uh, I think she ended the year with a less than 1.0 goals against average and over a 950 save percentage.
0: Pretty
2: good. So
1: yeah, I don't know. If the, I don't know if that's good. But so I got to sit down with uh, goalie Aaron Frankel from the Northeastern Huskies. <clears throat> excuse me. And then uh, a few days after that, I got to sit down with the associate head coach of Northeastern women's hockey, Nick Carpanito. We put those together in a podcast that's coming up after this intro. um, we recorded this before they played their first game of the NCAAs. Mm-hmm. They had a uh, basically a bye the first round. They didn't have to do the play-in, not a big deal. Uh, so they were sitting home waiting, and much like Car- Coach Carp told me, they got the team they wanted, a little revenge game. They played the Wisconsin. And uh, If you remember last year, Wisconsin knocked them out in overtime in the national championship.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: so they got the revenge game, and it got a little spicy got a little spicy pregame cuz uh Aaron Frankel the goalie prior to the Wisconsin game said about the previous game winning goal in overtime quote that player didn't mean to make that play she might say that she did but she didn't it was an unfortunate bounce and at the end of the day it put them on top then she goes out and stops 39 of 41 to eliminate the badgers that's listen you want to talk the it up. Exactly. That was the whole thing. Larry Bird went down as like the biggest shit talker. You know why? Because he, he backed it up. backed it up. Backed it up. Got to back that shit up. <laughs> so they are heading out. They are heading out to, uh what's it, Happy Valley State College? Uh, I forget where they're playing. But in Pennsylvania.
0: Okay.
1: So they're heading out. They are playing the – they play Minnesota Duluth because Minnesota Duluth knocked off number two Minnesota. So Northeastern faces Minnesota Duluth Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon. And then the number one seed, Ohio State, faces number five, Yale, at 7 p.m. Friday. So that's a doubleheader Friday on ESPN+. Plus. I looked it up. Oh, and cool. The champ- yeah. Championship game is Sunday at 4 p.m. Hopefully they make it. And I just want to talk about a few of the players, if that's all right. Yeah. Uh, sure. So Skylar Fontaine. All right. So let me back up. Back uh, it up. Back- yeah, again. So – Goalie Aaron Frankel, who won the Patty Kazmaier Award last year, which is the Hobie Baker for women's hockey, right? Tweeted out by the Rangers pretty sweet. Yeah, she did. That was a sw- that was sick, right? Yeah. So yeah, she's a New York native. Sh- Shattuck St. Mary's, too. Not a big so um good. her Frankel, Skylar, defenseman Skylar Fontaine, and uh, forward Alina Mueller. Mueller was the one who played her first Olympics at age 15, just was over there playing for Sweden. Yeah, that's, that's really not good. yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. So they were named the top ten finalists for the Patty Kazmaier Award this year. And mueller got these six skates from the Olympic team. They got the Swedish cross yeah. on them. Oh, they're sick. Um, so they uh, they have – so as great as it is for these three women to have this uh, honor, Maureen Murphy, who is the leading goal scorer in the NCAA – she was the one, I think I told you how, when uh, Mueller won the um, Hockey East MVP of the tournament, mm-hmm. she got the award, skated over to Murphy and handed it to her. Right, Murphy, it's a travesty that she's not a finalist. Uh, led the nation with 30 goals. She was seventh in points. Uh, when Mueller was away at the Olympics, uh, Murphy stepped up huge. I think she had three hat tricks while Mueller was away. It's pretty good. I mean, yeah, pretty good. Um she also this is my favorite thing about this team, the way they all play for each other. She scored the game-winning goal against Wisconsin and on the ice was doing this with the Husky logo. Yeah, love that shit. Uh, so that I want to talk about her. I want to talk about Katie Noel, who I believe I was sitting right behind her parents, and I was like, Do I say hey? I write about the team and I was like, it's so awkward. <laughs> it's <was> so <laughs> awkward. But I was starting to think of comparisons because I want to get more people's eyes in this game. Katie Knoll plays like a Ginla. Okay. She does. No, she does. All right. She's sandpaper. She's up and down the ice, plays 200 feet. She elevates everybody. We were talking about, we were talking off the other, on the other thing about uh, like a someone who's like a bacon type of player, makes everyone they play with better. That's Katie Knoll. Yeah. Just a great player. Great to watch face offs, forecheck, backcheck, physical presence. Just a great player all around. Um, And since we're comparing people, Skylar Fontaine, one of the Patty Kazmaier finalists, is Scott Niedermeyer. Okay. Yeah, dude, she wheels. She wheels. And her younger brother plays for the Northeastern men's team, which is pretty cool. Gunner Wolf. Gunner Wolf. That's it. So I think that he. East just scored a big goal. The did he
0: he might have committed to RPI at one point and maybe oh, really? transferred to Northeastern. Yeah. Because I remember I remember seeing that a kid named Gunner Wolf I thought was supposed to go RPI. What a I name. I assume
1: there's only one. Yeah. What a name. What do you think? They call him Wolfie or Gunner?
0: I don't fucking know, dude. That That's like, God damn it, man. Just sometimes I wish I was cool. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> well, it was funny. GMA, as, as great as he is, he's the second best player at Northeastern in that family. It's fucking Because she's filthy. Absolutely yeah. filthy. The coach calls it. They call her, I guess, 4F. She, dude, she has never seen a lane that she's not jumped in. You're she can that. wheel. Absolutely yeah. wheel. Uh, I wanted to give her a little credit. And then another one, Maddie Mills. So, Maddie Mills played at Cornell and then transferred over with the NCAA, giving them an extra year. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went to Shattuck Saint Mary's with Murphy and Frankel. Me and Frankel talked about it a little bit, uh, and she came over. So Maddie Mills is a like power play god. Like she, I think she all time is the all time leader in power play goals for NCAA women's. I believe I could be wrong there. It's pretty, good. Um, but she's basically a one woman cycle. And what Wisconsin did, they were they were closing gaps super quick on Mills whenever she had the puck in the offensive zone. So what did this beauty do? Started dishing. It's They don't beat their heads against it. That's why they're so good to watch. Uh, just a couple more. Skylar Irving, a freshman playing on a very senior grad assistant team, a uh, grad student team. All these, you know, little yeah. girls. Uh, Skylar Irving was bumped off the honey badger line, which is what I call it because they play like honey badgers, and she played great. She, I think, she got uh, rookie of the or freshman of the week or something for NCAA. Uh, they swapped her and Mia Brown. Mia Brown uh, dropped to play with Mickey Sandoris and Tessa Ward uh, on that honey badger third line. And Tessa Ward, listen, Tessa, if you're listening, you might be my favorite player on the team just because and I mean this in the most complimentary way possible. You play like an asshole. <laughs> yeah,
0: fair enough. She does.
1: Yeah. And she wears 42, which is Bacchus's Backus, America. Yeah. She's dude, she's sandpaper. She, I, I refer to her in all my blogs as little Wardo of hate. She's she's great. She chirps. She can see her going at the thing. And then the last thing I have is I got it cleared by Frankel. There's a player on the team named Andrea Renner, who's a very good player. She overcame a bad injury. She worked her way back. uh, Alternate captain, just a great player. Uh, Frankel gave me the green light to call her Hawkeye. So I've been calling her Hawkeye in my write-ups. Okay. So they're playing Friday. Hopefully they get it done. And then they go for the Natty on Sunday. And we couldn't, I'm telling you, it's great games. The way they play as a unit, no matter who drops, someone cycles back. Multiple times against Wisconsin, they kept the puck in on a cycle and went changed out one by one and kept the puck in. It's just great team hockey that you don't see at the NHL level. I will be tuning in. Yeah. Very excited. So listen, enjoy these interviews. Frankel has the patience of a saint to deal with me, fanboying all over her. And Coach Carp, well, whatever, he's Coach Carp. <laughs> <laughs> we hope
0: that you guys check it out. Definitely check them out as they, uh, you know, they're trying to take home that natty ship. So
1: that's it. It's
0: lock and key. But hopefully, I will have pod. And uh, yeah, we will talk about Enjoy the
1: interviews. More. All right. So this is Brownie, Sunday morning special podcast. We are pleased to welcome into the Morning Skate the defending Patty Kazmaier award winner, newly crowned hockey's champion for the fifth consecutive year with a 24-3-2 record on the season, 1.03 goals against and a 957 save percentage. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron Frankel.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: So we have a segment on the podcast every week where we call we call it "Mea Culpas." It's the mistakes we talk about, things we screwed up last week. I'm just going to put my hand up right now that Aaron has been gracious enough that we were talking for like 15 minutes before this genius realized that he never hit record. So thankfully, she has the patience of a goaltender that she is she is willing to hang around and go through this again. Because your boy Brownie's not so good with the computers, so there's our Copa.
3: No worries, no worries.
1: <laughs> All right, so here we are. It's Sunday morning, a little later than we originally started, uh, and uh, you're just coming off the uh, hockey's championship last night with a uh, thrilling game that I was fortunate enough to be at with a three to one victory. Uh, we'll talk about some of the emotions in the group that you've uh, that you achieved this goal with.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're all obviously overwhelmed with um, joy and happiness and extremely excited to win another Hockey East championship. It's, it's always really fun when you're playing for something as big as, you know, the league championship. And um, to be able to come out on top last night was super special for us and the program. And, um, yeah, it's definitely going to fuel us tor- towards our next goal.
1: Yeah, and for those that don't know, this group, including Aaron, uh, I think there is seven of you total that um that are grad students now due to the due to the covid uh the covid pandemic the ncaa granted you guys an extra year uh the eligibility everyone not just you guys uh right. and you guys have achieved something that may never get duplicated because you were able to go five seasons without ever losing a hockey east playoff game which i don't know if that'll ever be duplicated just by unless there's another pandemic god forbid yeah
3: we're really grateful for that covid year um it would have been really sad to be done last year and think just knowing that we had this fifth year and we're all going to get to come back um, was something that kept us going and um, kept us at ease, obviously a tough way to end last season, but having another shot at it this year is really special. And um, I think the NCAA, you know, did a really great thing by giving um, people the year back. And I know a lot of people who are taking advantage of it. So like you said, we were able to win five straight hockey championships. So uh, that's pretty special.
1: Yeah. Nice little bit of symmetry, too, is that your first Hockey East Championship was against UConn and your last Hockey East Championship for you specifically, you your group uh, is also against UConn. I mean, UConn's probably not thrilled about it, but it's nice for you guys.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're a bit frustrated at this point, but, you know, they're a really, really great team. And I think it says a lot that um, they've been in that championship game a number of times over the past four or five years. And um, I think that speaks to the type of team they have and their coaching staff. They're always really hard to play against. And um, they're challenging f- for us, even when we just play them during the regular season as well.
1: Now, uh, I know because we already talked about this, that you grew up uh, you grew up in uh, Chappaqua, New York, uh playing hockey or skating, started skating early. And then what was it that made the, made you want to make the transition to goalie?
3: Um, I think at a very young age, I was, um, drawn in by the goalie being the only player that got to play the whole game. And I wanted to be on the ice the whole time. And, um, like I said, my parents weren't thrilled about it, but um, I was very persistent with wanting to play goalie. And um, once I tried it, I loved it, and I kind of made a compromise with my parents to, you know, play goalie sometimes, and then also sometimes, um, you know, skate out, not play goalie. And um, I think ultimately they just realized that that was a fight they weren't going to win when I when I fell in love with that position. So
1: um,
3: yeah, it definitely started off as a bit of a fight for me.
1: It's funny, is that's one that's one of the common threads you hear with goalies is that they mostly. They were like, I can play the whole game. That seems to be the click for a lot of kids. They're like, I I don't have to come off the ice, right? Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And then, you know, there's obviously many ways to look at it. And some people are like, yeah, you have the most control in the game uh, of what happens and the outcome. And some people like that pressure. Some people don't.
1: Yeah. Fair. Um, So uh, sophomore year is when you went to Shattuck St. Mary's? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you went to Shattuck St. Mary's. Big change. Going out to Minnesota, you had told me that you had a friend from home that was there, so that was a little bit of a soft landing. He was on the on the boys' team, yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, what What was your experience? If you want to describe your experience at, at Shattuck a little bit,
3: yeah, my three years were incredible. Um, I definitely wouldn't trade them for anything, and um, I would recommend that place to any young hockey player. Um, it helped me develop so much. Uh, not only as a player, but as a person. And I felt like I was constantly surrounded with uh, people that were making me better um, on and off the ice in the classroom, pushing me to be my best. And I think people joke that Shattuck's a little bit of a hockey factory, and it definitely is. They produce some of the most amazing players on the women's side and on the men's side. You know, They've had a lot of guys in the NHL and um, representing the US and Canada. And I think it just goes to show they do a lot of really awesome things there and um it's just a great place and i'm i'm very lucky to have been been a part of it
1: i heard an interview i think with crosby where he was saying i guess they had to play a spring sport for the boys side was that was that applicable to the to the girls hockey team as well did you have to play multiple sports
3: um yeah you you had the option to do um like a running program or just play a sport but most of us hockey girls uh played lacrosse
1: oh nice Nice, mm-hmm. yeah. For everyone out there at home, one of the best goaltender, best young goaltenders in the women's game, played multi sports growing up. Don't force your kid into just one sport. It's not a recipe uh, that works out for the most part. Uh, you now, also in, uh, I don't, wanna, I didn't want to forget uh, Maureen Murphy and Maddie Mills were both your teammates over at Shattuck, both on the NU roster. Mills coming in as a transfer, grad, uh, grad student. And that's got to be a nice feeling to have these two with you the whole way.
3: Yeah. It's awesome. Um, having Murph come in and then Maddie, it's really special and it's obviously something that I, I never imagined would happen, but, um, the kind of stars aligned for us. And, um, we reunited here at Northeastern, which has been incredible. And I, we always joke that it's so funny to look across the locker room and see one another and kind of be like, this is so crazy and weird, but also so awesome. And, um, We also joke that if our Shattuck team were to come together and make a college team, that we'd be incredible. So it's kind of funny that we have, you know, three of the pieces together for that puzzle. And, um, yeah, I think if you were to tell 14-, 15-year-old us that uh, we were going to get to go to college together and win championships together, we wouldn't believe it. So it's it's really special.
1: Yeah, that always makes it better, for sure. Uh, So now Northeastern, uh, you were recruited. I'm guessing Flint came and, you know, uh, what 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 was the decision that made you choose Northeastern?
3: I really liked Northeastern for many different reasons. I think one of them was definitely the coaches. Um, I talked a bit with Coach Flint, and um, he seemed like such a great person. And obviously, you can only um, learn so much about someone when you're just having a conversation with them. And as a young player, it's a tough decision where you want to commit to and. Um, you're young and um, you don't know a whole lot about the school, but just what they tell you and you visit. But um, Coach Flint made me feel very welcome. Um, And, you know, he seemed to believe in me, which I really liked. And he seemed just like a great person, very down to earth. And that was something that, you know, I don't think you can say about every single coach you talk to. I feel like you just get a a different connection and um, every coach is different. But uh, my conversations with Coach, Coach Flint definitely resonate with me.
1: Yeah, we we talked about it before. Like I said, I've met him a few times, and he seems like he's a super nice guy. And the thing I notice behind the bench, he's very even keeled. Uh, No matter matter what the situation, he seems, you know, calm and cool back there. And I think that translates to you guys
3: it definitely influences us. to think we, we preach the team, our captains just to never get too high or never get too low and just stay the course of the game. And we talked about how that's kind of the story of last night with a championship, you know, going down one goal and then um, being able to score two and in, in a short frame of time and um, finishing the game off well, defensively, uh, it just goes to show that um Coach Flint's demeanor, you know, it carries it carries on to all of us and he knows when to get on us, but he's always very level-headed and um, confident in us.
1: Actually, there was a there was a sequence. I was to- talking to Coach Caponito after the game. There was a sequence la- in the game last night. You guys were up 2-1. Game's certainly not in hand at that point. You know, it still could go either way. And I don't – we looked up at one point and the camera, whoever – whichever camera was linked to the Jumbotron had a close-up of Fontaine on the bench. And she was staring directly at the camera, and she was like singing along with the music with a huge smile. And I said to Carpinito, "I'm like, man, the bench—they were so relaxed." He's like, "Yeah, man, they—they they know what they got to do. It's ice water in the veins. That's what they—that's what they do." And I think that all, you know, it stems from Flint. The example he sends—you can see no one was too tense, no one was squeezing their sticks. You know, yeah, he definitely. She may have it. been a little too relaxed, but <laughs> right. Well, okay. if he's calm, then it should be all right, you know.
3: Hmm. And he, yeah, yeah, he preaches that to us all the time. And um, he came in the locker room after we were down one, nothing. And he said um, a lot of great things to us, just, um, you know, we were fine and um, stay the course of the game, trust the process. And he said similar things, even when we were up to one that we've been in that situation before. We obviously have a lot of experience in championships, so there was no need to, you know, grip our sticks too tight or be nervous. Obviously you're going to have some nerves playing in a championship game, but um, we had all, all for the most part, um, with the exception of our freshmen, been there before, and um, we knew what it takes.
1: Um, okay, so we know your your goals for this year aren't done. Um, I did want to talk of, uh, about your future plans, uh, Olympic path, kind of see what happens, what, what you were thinking uh, moving forward after the season, if you yeah, thought about it at all. Yeah, I don't,
3: I don't have any plans right now. Um, I think I'll think about it more, um, this spring and into summer and, um, kind of decide what's best for me. I'm going to, um, you know, leave my options open and look at, um, the different paths I could take with hockey and consider them all. And then ultimately decide what's best for me, but I'm not really set on anything right now.
1: Do you plan to stay in this area or are you going back to New York or just kind of, again, see what, how it goes.
3: Yeah. I see how it goes. I, I love Boston a lot and, um, it's pretty close to home for me, so I wouldn't mind staying around Boston.
1: Nice. Uh, I did want to ask you, too, back to the game for a second. We we talked about it before, before I screwed it up, <laughs> the recording. The uh, With your team and the, do- I mean, it's a dominant, dominant offensive possessions, long stretches of time when you're back there by yourself. I noticed that you keep dialed in, the glove's up, you're ready to go, you're constantly manipulating, and it looks almost like you're like visualizing plays as you're squaring up and working on your angles, even when the puck's not there. And has that always been something that you've done or is that something you developed in at, at Northeastern or at Shattuck?
3: I think I developed it at Northeastern just um, cause every game's so different. And I think it's really important for me to stay focused and hockey such a fast sport. That's, Um, there's so many bounces and unpredictable things that can happen on the ice. And I think just being focused at all times is how I can be at my best. And I've, I've had success, um, doing what I do. And, um, just regardless of the score, um, the opponent that we're playing, just approaching every game the same way.
1: Have you always been vocal out there or like you are, like you are now, have you always had that in you?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think I've always, you know, I'm a chatty person off the ice as well. So I think um, it comes naturally to me to talk to my teammates on the ice and help them out, let them know what I see from from the net. And sometimes they have a different perspective than they do, and I can see the whole ice.
1: Yeah, you you actually, we talked about it before, but you you actually got some offensive uh, sequences going with the long outlets, which trying to catch them in a change, I mean, that's a killer if you hit that. You know?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime I can, I try to play the puck a lot, and I think it makes the lives of my defenders uh, easier. And they've they've said that a lot. And I think um, just playing with this group of D for a while now, we we kind of read off each other, and I think they know what to expect from me um, when I go out and play the puck, and they they fan out to the corner and they call for it, and um, we have a pretty good thing going back there.
1: I'd imagine to keep engaged as, as well. The more you touch the puck.
3: Yeah, it definitely keeps you engaged. Um, like you said, uh, if you're not getting a lot of shots, but you're stopping the wraps around the net and playing the puck to your D, it definitely keeps you involved and um, keeps you focused.
1: Uh, regarding your your playing uh, number thirty three, I asked you, I know, but how wh- any significance in the in the double three?
3: Uh, Not really. Um, I was three growing up, and uh, I didn't think that that would fly in college, so kind of just added a three, and my dad wore 33, so um, it was just a number I liked, and um, now I couldn't imagine wearing anything different.
1: Yeah, Uh, and then we talked about your lack of superstitions. I imagine that goalies are very polar. It would be either uh, a tremendous amount or like none altogether. I don't see a lot of gray. You know. Yeah,
3: I think, yeah, you definitely see both. Um, it's an interesting question to ask people. I think, yeah, some goal, some goalies are weird. <laughs> I think we're all a little bit weird, but some goalies have more, like, quirky things they have to do, and um, it's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I I was a lacrosse coach. That's how I know Coach Carponito. I was his coach. But the goalies, I mean, I worked with them, but I was like, yeah, I, you know, long you good? Yep, okay. I mean, I, you know, that's pretty mm-hmm. much it. Yeah. With
3: Sorry, you cut out for goalies. A
1: second. Goalies. You just do your own thing.
3: Yeah, you definitely are oh, hey there?
1: Yeah. Okay. You no, know, I was just saying with goalies, it's always been a little bit of a hands up. Yeah. Uh all right, so I want to hit you with some quick hits about the team, if that's all right. Yep. Are you you can hear me? Does it you good? Okay. In the room, who's the DJ?
3: Uh Mia Brown has the music.
1: All right. Uh who's the biggest chirper? On ice, off ice, who's always running their mouth out there?
3: Tessa Ward.
1: Uh, I would have picked her, actually, (laughs) just by the way she plays. Yeah. Uh, Is there someone, like, who's always keeping the team loose, a cut up in there, breaking the tension?
3: I would probably say Skylar Fontaine.
1: Okay. Uh, Who's got the hardest shot that you face in practice?
3: Um, The hardest to stop or the hardest?
1: All right, both. I would say the and...
3: hardest to stop. Um, for me personally is Peyton Anderson. She has something about her release. It always gets me. Um, and the hardest shot is probably Renner or um at times could be Alina.
1: Okay. Um, so this is a chirp directly from Coach Carp. He says that he can't shoot on you in practice anymore since it will destroy your confidence. Any comment on that?
3: I'm glad that, that he cares about my confidence.
1: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, who's always the one that's late that gets everyone in trouble?
3: Um, we don't really have anyone that, that's late because expectations right. are high.
1: Keys to the championship right there, beyond time. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's got the sickest, like, I don't know if you guys do penalty shot drills, but who gets you more than more than not?
3: Alina probably with the moves um or Maureen Murphy.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh one person on the squad. You need no matter you're in trouble, no matter the time place. There we go. I don't know why it keeps cutting out.
3: I got you. Um I'd say Maddie Mills
1: sounds nice okay mm-hmm. and then this last one about the team I don't know if they read our stuff but I've been calling I've been referring to Andrea Renner as Hawkeye you think she will be all right with that yeah I think so all right fair enough <laughs> and then we got a lightning round just for you all right this is how we end all our interviews so we're almost done uh are do you talk to the post like flurry does no no okay uh favorite cartoon character
3: I don't not into cartoons,
1: not even when you were a kid. There's no, no nostalgia from like a cartoon it's when you were SpongeBob,
3: under, if that counts.
1: SpongeBob, fair, yeah, he's a cartoon. Uh, besides Northeastern, favorite and least favorite rinks that you've played in.
3: I would say my least favorite, um, is Maine, um, uh, up in Orno. and my favorite, um. It's a tough one. I like playing in UNH.
1: Oh, nice. Uh, your go-to pizza topping? Just cheese. Just cheese. Okay. Uh, black tape or white tape, and you go heel to toe or toe to heel.
3: I do white tape heel to toe.
1: Heel to toe. Okay. Uh, guilty pleasure TV show or your most recent binge?
3: Um, I've been watching Cobra Kai. Pretty
1: oh. yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty funny. You probably don't remember the originals, but mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty funny because they're they just switched it all up. Yeah, it's yeah, it's worth it's awesome. it. Yeah. Um, do you remember your first stick, goalie or not? And if you do, what was it?
3: Yeah, it was like a not goalie stick. It was a white and green vapor, um, like 40 flex or something ridiculous. And it was tiny.
1: <laughs> nice. Uh, pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. All right. Which which current NHL player reminds you of your game?
3: Um, that's tough. I don't know. I haven't really been.
1: Um, yeah, I imagine you don't have a whole lot of time for watching NHL. To
3: watch on particular players. In the past, I would say flurry probably.
1: Okay. Uh, your favorite pastime, not hockey related? Playing with dogs. Oh, well, You have a couple of dogs, yeah? I do. What do you have?
3: I have a Rottweiler and a multi-poo.
1: Nice. And they get along? They do. Nice. Nice. Um, Alarm tone on your phone?
3: It's always silent.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Are you a multi-text person or are you a paragraph text person? Multi. Okay. And there's the last one. Most famous person in your phone?
3: Uh... (laughs) <laughs> it's a tough question. It'd probably be someone hockey-related like Kendall Coyne.
1: There you go. That's a great one. She's famous for sure. Uh, well, that's that's all I got for you, and I appreciate you you restarting with me due to my technical challenges. Of um, And I'm uh, actually going to be interviewing CARP, uh, I believe, tomorrow after the selection. So anything that you want delivered, this is your platform to 100,000-plus people to oh. tell CARP
3: um i got nothing for him <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's per actually that's almost better pigeon you don't <laughs> need to bother with him
3: <laughs> all
1: right you. well for the morning skate we all thank you for coming we all wish you luck uh going forward we'll all be watching i'll be writing about it as well and hopefully we'll be in there again next weekend to watch
3: yeah thanks for having me
1: all right well that's it for this sunday edition of the morning skate thank you to aaron frankel and we will see you all soon Welcome to The Morning Skate, another uh, special interview. Uh, we are uh, NU Week here at The Morning Skate, and uh, I am lucky enough to be joined by Associate Head Coach Nick Carponino. Coach Carp, how are you, buddy? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We had uh, your goalie on, which will precede this interview on the podcast, and she uh, she was great, very patient with me and my technical issues. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to have you on. Fresh off your fifth conse- well, Northeastern's fifth consecutive hockey championship. Quite the run. Special group. Yep.
2: Special group. I mean, it's it, it's crazy to think, you know, our our seniors slash grad students minus um, you know Maddie Mills who transferred in. Um, they haven't lost a playoff game in their career in five years, which I think is is an absolutely incredible, uh, stat. And, um, you know, be, to be able to find that consistency year in, year out is, is, I think a lot of it attributes to the leadership that, that they bring to the table and, and the experience that they bring, um, come tournament time and playoffs every year. So, um, huge, huge credit to them for, uh, I mean, realistically, they, they, they all got us to where we're at as a program from when they first got here and, you know, Hobson, uh, you know, Fontaine, Ward, Frankel, obviously, um, and the list goes on and on. So, um, incredible achievement for them, and and you know we're we're really fortunate as a coaching staff to be able to work with them every day.
1: The uh, the magnificent seven. That's how I refer it to them. I like that. That's good. They, I mean, think about it. There. So, I mean, I explained this in the Frankel interview, but if I don't know if people don't catch it, the with COVID, the NCAA granted everyone an extra year. Mm-hmm. So this graduate student class, those seven players, and Mills, uh, mm-hmm. get the extra year. But those seven have never lost a Hockey East playoff game in five seasons. Mm-hmm. Now, unless there's another pandemic, that's never going to be touched. Never. No.
2: That's um, the,
1: that is an unbreakable record.
2: Yeah. If there's another, unless there's some other sort of waiver, they drastically change the uh, um, format of the playoffs to, you know, maybe two
1: two out of three series or something like that. Yeah, right. I don't anticipate that anytime soon. That would be a huge asterisk. Then it would be mm-hmm. like the, uh, the, oh, the the home run record. I don't even remember who has it. <laughs> I don't care about baseball. Um, so we are we are in the week of the NCAA playing games. You are waiting to host on Saturday.
2: Yeah.
1: The three seed. You know, I did want to ask. All right. So we, we'll get. I'll get back to my question. So you're you're waiting to host the the you're the three seed waiting to host the winner of Wisconsin versus Clarkson Uh, that's a seven, 10 game uh, seven versus 10. Uh, Yeah. Now I assume you're going to try to dance around this, but I would imagine that you and the team would love to face Wisconsin in this match.
2: Yeah. I mean, we would, we would certainly love to play them again. um, You know, just, just based on last season, but um, you know, I I think the field is so open this year. Uh, You know, they have their seedings and whatnot, but I, I feel like this is the first time in a long time that I feel, I truly believe that anybody can beat anybody, um, you know, up and down, up and down the bracket. So um, would definitely love to get another crack at, uh, at Wisconsin. Um, but you know, who, who really knows what's going to
1: happen. Right. Yeah. Fair. Especially with the one game formats. Right. Right. Um. I did want to ask. So they expanded the NCAA expanded the women's field from eight to 11, right? Yeah. Here? Yep. um, how do they decide the at large births? How is that determined?
2: Yeah, so there is a so you know, you obviously have your, your conference winners,
1: yeah, um, they get the automatic birth,
2: uh, or the, the AQ, the automatic qualifier. Um, and then from there, there's this thing called the pairwise predictor and giant algorithm. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't give you exactly what's in it. I know, you know, obviously winning percentage for
1: the podcast, they know that we're not math guys.
2: Yeah. Not a math guy yeah. at all. Um, but, um, you know, strength of schedule, um, winning percentage, I believe there's some head to head in there as well. Um, don't quote me on that last one, but, um, you know, pretty much that algorithm or that formula seeds one through 11. Um, you know, and if there are no upsets throughout the league, those will stand pat, um, those seedings will stand pat. But, uh, you know, if if there are upsets and you really never know what's going to happen. So um, this year, it seemed like things pretty much went how people predicted. Um, but um, yeah, so pairwise predictor, we usually don't pay attention to that until the last few weeks of the season.
1: It was just curious to me because there's a lot like we said eleven teams in the field, and mm-hmm. out of the eleven, uh seven of them were based on that whatever it was called that you just described. Pairwise. Pairwise. There's only four uh four conference champions that were in. Yep. Yeah. Which it was it was I it was almost like it was scattered pretty evenly, one, three, four, and eleven. Yep. Were the were the champions, and then everybody else was you know based on that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, some interesting matchups for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's going to be exciting, and like I said, I, I really, I truly believe anybody can beat anybody in, in this tournament, and um, you know, th- I think that's great for women's hockey. You know, because obviously, yeah. with, uh, with the with ex- the exception of um, you know Clarkson, and uh, I think that might be the only Eastern team that's actually won the national tournament uh, since since it became an NCAA sport. Uh, actually, Harvard. Harvard's won it a few times, I guess. In recent years, you know, it's it's been predominantly the West. So, um, but I, I truly believe that this year there's there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of teams, which is very exciting.
1: I like too the format how it's uh, it's not in Pennsylvania till the Frozen Four. Yep. So there'll be there'll be a local game Saturday, yep. and then depending on how that you guys could host another one, which yep. will be you know, that's that's excellent.
2: Yeah, so um, it's it's actually, it's kind of similar to the way that the men does it, um, where, you know, they have their regional brackets, and then whoever whoever comes out of the regional bracket goes to the Frozen Four. Um, I think the the difference is, and I, I think that this is pretty neat for college athletics, is that with the regional brackets on the men's side, they go to neutral sites. So, right. you know, within the region, but, you know, they'll go to the DCU Center in Worcester. Yep.
1: Or, you know, they'll go you know, place X, whatever. When I was in college, that was still the Worcester Center, by the way. Yeah, the Centrum. The old <laughs> centrum.
2: Um, but I, I think it's neat that on the women's side it's hosted by universities with with uh you know by a university within whatever regional bracket you're in. So you know we're the Boston bracket and we get to we get to host that. So um I think it's I think that's a really neat aspect. I think it's going to get a lot more people involved, but it's also going to expose more people to, you know, college facilities.
1: I will say if you're in the Boston area this weekend and you're looking for something to do, there is no more value for your entertainment dollar than women's college hockey. Mm hmm. We, I mean, I watch a lot of the games on TV. I can't get in there that much. Uh We were fortunate enough to be in for the Hockey East champion game, Championship game. And what a show. I mean, I've been to Bruins games. My daughter, like I told you off camera, my daughter, who's five years old, has never asked me to go to a Bruins game. But all she wants to do is go to Huskies games. So we're going again this weekend. It's a great family atmosphere, mm-hmm. great seats. I mean, it's a great building, you know.
2: Two cups of coffee. That's all it cost you.
1: 10 bucks yeah it's you know you can hear the players the players are generous with their time i mean it it, like i said to you before it it has a a vibe of a of a close-knit community Mm -hmm. uh you know afterwards like a tailgate almost minus you know uncle remus you know being out of order you know what i mean it's just uh it's just a great vibe the whole thing we had a blast my daughter is Recruited her friends. There's a big group of us going. So yeah, it should be a fun time. We're really looking forward to it. Good. And listen, let's not let's not gloss over the fact that you're hosting is for a reason. The Huskies this year finished up 34 and two for a record. I mean, not too shabby. Yeah. Uh, thirty
2: four and two.
1: Yeah, that's what I said, right? Oh, did I say it? Thirty four and two. I and, meant thirty four. Thirty four and two. Yep.
2: Just for the listeners.
1: Yes. Fair enough. Uh, 131 goals for versus 36 goals against. I mean, come on, come on. I mean, we've, that's, those are beer league numbers, buddy. Good
2: goaltending, good, solid team defense. Um, and you know, obviously some, some pretty solid offensive firepower, Uh, but you know, I think a lot of it's the experience factor too. You know, we, Mm. we were able to get a lot of our, a lot of players for that extra year. And, um, you know they they know, even with the success that we had last year, like it wasn't easy to get there. You know, so they they understand uh, our current team has a has a really good grasp of what it actually takes to get to where we want to be. And um, you know, it's not just uh, you know show up at the rink how many thirty six times this year, you know, win thirty six games and then you're in. It's it's a grind. You know, sure. and and I thought it's funny because I've had this conversation with a lot of coaches before. Like I I thought that this year going into this year with a little bit less on the COVID uh, restrictions and um, you know, a little bit more of a normal of a normal schedule with classes and whatnot. I I thought that it would be a little bit easier, but it was actually a, a kind of a difficult transition to get back into it because you never really realize a lot of the, a lot of the classes throughout the country, was either hybrid or fully remote. Oh, right, right. Right. So there's a little bit more flexibility in, in what you had to do. And, um, you know, now it's, we're back to it. Like you're going to class, you're going to practice, you're going to, you know, doing your games. And um, but it was, it was, it was a different year than I expected. and It was definitely tough at times for, you know, for the players to kind of get readjusted, but um, you know, the experience factor that we have, they get it. And they know what they had
1: to do. Uh, everyone's looking good in terms team wise. Um, you guys were clicking the other night, uh, Mm. power play, you guys ended up, I don't know if you're even aware of this. You guys ended up over 31% on the power play for the season.
2: Yeah. I had a, I had a good idea about it. You know, we, uh, our power play is a little bit different than it has been in the past. You know, obviously with any power play, you want to have quality players and, and, you know, we're fortunate enough to,
1: to have two. That that PP1 is, it's sick. You, yeah, the people you. Put. I mean, it's what is it? if I get this wrong, I apologize. But it's it's what Hobson, Fontaine, Mills, Murphy, and M- M- Mueller or Ar- Arard.
2: So was when when Alina was out at uh, the Olympics, um, it was Fontaine, Hobson, uh, Murphy, Arard, and um, Maddie Mills, and then when Alina came back. Um, she slid into Hobson's spot at the top.
1: Oh, okay. Um, And then Hobson, I mean, went to our second, you know, which is which is dangerous as well. Yeah, she 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 was a one woman cycle during the game for the was it the go ahead goal? Yeah, last game. She she controlled it all her edge work, man. When she skates, yeah, and then again, that's something else that doesn't translate on TV versus being at the game, yeah, really see it.
2: absolutely incredible player and you know, great leader, great person. Um, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to have her. We knew that she was all in when she, when she committed to our school, she actually ended up getting a Husky and called it. So, um, (laughs) we were getting a good one that was all in. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's, I think that's where we, why we're so successful is, is all the players that are here, they're all in on Northeastern and, um, you know, it's not, uh, you know, I just want to go there because because you're good. Uh, right. You know, when a lot of these players committed to us, we were about a 500 team, you know. So um, so it's a, it's exciting and, you know, she's she's a big part of it. That's for sure.
1: Uh, something that you said made me think of this. I, so when I was interviewing Frankel, I, I did some like quick hits, like quick questions. with. Well, if you're listening to this all together, you just heard her mention it. Um, I asked her if there was someone that was always late that got the team in trouble. You know, someone that consistently late. And her answer was, she goes, no, no, yeah. one's late because we know why we're here. Yeah. It was such a great answer. I was just like, all right. It was, I meant it to be like, I thought she was going to throw somebody under the bus, you know, or, you know, just like a laugh about it. But she's well, like, no, we're here. We know why we're here.
2: The last person I remember being late to anything on our team would have been Brianna storms who graduated two years ago. Um, and it was her freshman year, the first day of official practices. Ugh. I was pulling in. Cause I think they had like a lift or something right before. And we, we might've had an early practice or something like that, but I was pulling in the parking lot and all of a sudden I see her sprinting across the lot in her workout gear. Um, and she, uh, we didn't let her forget that for a little while. She's an, un- she's amazing. an because,
1: first day, first, first
2: day. It was so funny. And, and, uh, I think she figured it out pretty quick after that, but um, yeah, I couldn't even like on the bus on away games and stuff. Like we have uh we're leaving at this time. You got to make sure you're there and we might've had a couple of close calls, but you yeah. know, nobody's ever, nobody's ever come up on the bus late.
1: Well, it's a business trip, the away games, right? Yeah. That, the mentality. yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So back to the special teams. Uh, so was there much of an adjustment when she came back from the Olympics, when Mueller came back?
2: No, because the, the units have pretty much been the same most of the year, to be totally honest with you. I think uh, in the beginning of the year, we, we went with a two-defenseman, three-forward set. Um, but I, I couldn't tell you exactly when we switched it. Um, but uh, then we, went, we ended up going to a four-forward, uh, basically a five-forward set with Fontaine let's be honest. Um, but, uh, we, I don't know if I've told you this before, but we call her F4. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we, we wanted to just, we wanted to just put players together that, that had good chemistry and that could, uh, that could make plays and, and adjust to coverages. And I think we found, we found the right combos on both units.
1: It's a little bit too. I I wrote this in the article is that a with her anticipation of the Mm -hmm. play and the way Mm -hmm. she sees the game when she is on the PK. Mm -hmm. I'm at the point now where I expect her to have a bid almost every time she's out there.
2: She's just so smart. Like she's, she's got the speed. She's got the talent or she's got the, uh, you know, the stick skills, but you know, one of the things that, you, unless you really pay pay close attention to, um, she's just so smart. Like her her hockey IQ is is through the roof, and um, you know I think the the incredible part about her is she's so simple at the same time. Like she's very efficient with her movement. She's very efficient with like her pull moves and and her shooting. And um, you know she's not someone that's gonna you know triple toe drag you into a spinorama and, and try and get around you. She's you know, quick pull, um, quick pull, protect the puck and drive the net for the player. And, um, you know, she's uh, she's she's a very special player. And I I think, uh, you know, sometimes she gets overshadowed because some of the things that she does aren't necessarily like, holy smokes, I can't believe she did that. And and, you she's she's capable of doing stuff like that. But just with her efficiency, she doesn't have to, you know, she she keeps it nice and simple and, and it's worked out very well for
1: her. I was talking to a, a guy behind me at the game, and uh, I commented the way she plays on the penalty kill is she's almost like a cornerback um, mm-hmm. that's just kind of laying in the weeds and then jumps the route. Yep. She was using forwards as screens yep. on the defenseman coming up on the opposing team's power play. Yeah. And just laying in the weeds, ready to pounce. Yeah.
2: yeah. Just, just efficiency.
1: Yeah. It's um, crazy.
2: When, when we do video, and it's not just with her, but when we do video, it's one of the things I like to always say is, um, you know, I, I just want to make your life easier. And mm. and it's just, it's simplicity and, and efficiency. And, I mean, I, I think at the youth level, a lot of players can get away with those toe drags and, you know, those like in between the leg stuff. And, um, but even if you look at like NHL players, it happens every once in a while. Like you'll, you'll have Zgris, you know, right. throw up a, a fake Michigan to to Milano here and there, but, um, you know, 90% of it, probably even 95% of it is, you know, gross, gross, uh, greasy goals out front off a, you know, quick pull move or a, a quick change of your release point, you know, and right. um, I think the best players are, are the simplest players and, you know, that can make a play if they have to, but, um, you know, that's Chloe Arard in a nutshell right there
1: the biggest thing that I, I see when I when I talk, and I point this out when I talk to Franco, from, again, from an outsider's point of view, is the whole, the way the team buys in. Yeah. The whole team buys into the system, the whole team, there's no one, you never see them mad at each, there's no one pouting, there's no one mad at each other anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, you know, Fontaine drops down the wall, there's always someone covering, yeah. right? Uh, you know, someone, you know, cross-corner dump, there's someone coming behind the net the other way, and it's yeah it's the precision of it and everyone doing their jobs is what makes, you know, makes the whole thing work.
2: Yeah. And that that's honestly our philosophy. We don't, I mean, obviously we have defensemen and, and forwards, but our, our philosophy is we defend with five and we attack with five, yeah. you know? So it's like, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if you would know much about this, but, um, you know, the Netherlands soccer team and Barcelona soccer and,
1: and you don't Pep. think I'm dialed in on Netherlands. Yeah. yeah. And
2: like, and Pep, uh Pep Guardiola's uh, uh, Manchester city. Like they, they attack and replace, they attack and replace. Like you, mm-hmm. you have your positions, but you're expected to be able to do more, you know? And, and I think that that's, I mean, we're, we're able to, to have success because we're, we make it difficult for teams to defend us because, you know, we, we'll have someone drop in, but we'll
1: always, have, we'll always have those safety valves elsewhere. It's one thing to have everybody buy in, but the fact that you guys implemented it so seamlessly, I mean, at one point you guys had a cycle going against um, UConn with three players and then changed out, yeah. and the people that came in, the fresh, got into the cycle, yeah. and you guys kept the puck in the zone and cycled through all five guys without or all five players without losing the uh, possession. Yep. Yeah I, yeah, I appreciate that stuff. Yeah. I don't know if the casual fan does, that's but a great I'm like eye. elbowing my wife like you would. That is so hard to do.
2: You yeah, know? no, we. uh, I actually remember that exact shift. Yeah, um, yeah, we were able to cycle through actually three lines in that. Yeah, which is really neat. And I mean, but but that's selflessness too on on our players' part. Like, if you're pressing and you're you're pressing them and you're pressing them, you know. A lot of times you're going to get a pretty quality opportunity of it if you can keep them pinned in, but they understand the importance of, you know, if we can get their, the other team's legs burning a little bit, well, let's get fresh legs in ourselves and, and see if we can capitalize on it. Now, I mean, we didn't on on that shift, but I, I think that was a
1: huge turning point for that game. That was a big momentum shift yeah. for sure. Um, we've talked on some of the, the, the brighter stars and I, I do want to ask about my personal favorite line The I've been calling them in my write-ups, the honey badger line, mm-hmm. uh, War, Tessa Ward, uh, Michaela Sandoris, and, uh, freshman Skylar Irving. Yeah. I mean, the skill, the grit, the awareness with Sandoris. Yeah. I don't think she, I don't think she's ever seen a puck. She doesn't look down. Yeah. She does not look down. I, yeah. and i was again elbowing my wife i'm like watch her she does not look down at the puck yeah i mean just just to have that as your third line i mean come on that's just yeah. fantastic
2: mickey is she's definitely somebody that uh that is overlooked and and it's another one of those players well, she's like, under the radar yeah like she's she's another one and, and i remember watching her before she got here there was this one game specifically it was it was at uh where the heck was it? It was out in Vermont at the Naha Labor Day Showcase at, um, oh God, Letty Park Arena. And, you know, we're, our team, we love attacking what we call soft areas, like uh, around the slot. And I remember watching her, you know, she's she's just so smart and she puts herself in such incredible goal scoring positions um, that, you know, she's 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 someone that everybody wants to play with because she's always in the right spot. Yeah. you know and and i think you know for you being able to notice something like that like a lot of people just don't you know a lot of people a lot of people look at the stat sheet at the end of the game and say you know okay well you know she she wasn't necessarily on there but she's she's always there in the big moments and she's always there uh you know when when the chips are down and um you know she's someone we always know which is very difficult as a coach we always know what we're going to get out of out of mix and doris and um that's why she's out there a lot.
1: Well, talk about things that don't show up on the stat sheet. I mean, we already talked about Aurora, but uh Megan Carter, yeah, I thought had a great game in the championship yeah. game and she made a play, which won't show up at all, but UConn was pressing and she I think she got caught flat footed in a two on one and she dove yeah. and just touched the puck away enough for uh is it Jokovic, her partner? Yeah who got, got back, who played also great too, but this yeah. that little subtle play was just huge because UConn was really starting to feel it right then. Yeah. Was and it it right down.
2: On our offensive blue line? In yeah. Transition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that play. Yeah. 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 And she's, she's another one, just smart, efficient. Um, you know, technically she is, I mean, based on our team, she is on the younger side still, right? But uh, yeah. she's coming along so well, and she's, uh, I mean, she's a – a clear-cut cornerstone defenseman for us
1: and and someone we're going to rely on very heavily in the future. Yeah, she's quiet, just does her thing. Mm-hmm. She's not super flashy.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, she's not, you know, like sometimes when Hobson and uh, Fontaine are out top and they're weaving back and forth and dropping the puck to each other, yeah. I don't see her with that, Carter with that style of play. Mm-hmm. She's just like get the job done efficiently, like you were talking about with Aurora. That's how yeah. she strikes me.
2: She's she's about as two way as it gets like she's yeah. she picks her spot so well and and you see her too like she she has the ability to break the puck out on her own and, and get into the offense but uh, she's she's great at picking her spots. she's got a great shot she's she's very cerebral out there and uh, it's no surprise if you know if you know her off the ice.
1: Yeah. Uh, one other play I wanted to ask you. About. I don't want to go through the whole roster with you, but one yeah, sure. other play, no, we'll be here for two hours. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One other player, we can get back to him some other time. But one other play I wanted to ask you about because I really, really like her game. She is like a Bergeron for you guys, is Katie Knoll. Mm-hmm. I and and she, I described like I described her in the write up as sandpaper. Mm-hmm. She is just so tough. She's blocking shots, she's laying out for shots, she holds her ground defends her space super yeah. well she's yeah. working a triangle on the opposing coming into the zone like yeah i just really like her game a lot yeah i mean obviously they're all great players but you know me i'm going to gravitate to the ones that are a little uh a little more grit in their yeah loves you know than the others because i'm not going to do what any of them do but you know comparatively i can play more like her or ward yeah. Murphy or Fontaine, you
2: know, <laughs> so she, she, her, her strength is her versatility. Like she, she can be first line wing. She could be, you know, second line center. And, and we trust her in every situation, you know, we'll, we'll trust her. If we need a goal, we'll trust her if out there. If we need to defend, uh, or if we, if we're up a goal, if we're down a goal, you know, with a minute to go, um, you know, I'm unbelievable person, she works so hard all the time. She's very physical. She protects the puck well. She can bury the puck. Um, she is she's almost impossible to defend up front. Um, you know, especially offensively. Uh, yeah, she protects but, the
1: puck very well.
2: Yeah, and and you know she's uh, she's someone that you know when she came in, you know she and, and this is something that happens with pretty much every freshman that comes in because more times than not. If your freshmen's coming to any team in college hockey, they're probably the best player on their team, right? right. So they oh, right, yeah, right, yeah. So they, they were able to get a little bit, get away with a little bit more as far as you know, you know, pulling those toe drags or putting stuff in between, in between your legs and all sorts of stuff, going, going through defensemen rather than going around defensemen is what right. we call it. And, um, you know, once once she really started to understand, like, I'm so fast like i'm i'm fast i'm strong like i can protect the puck i can drive the net once that started to click for her, that's when she really became the the force that that she is now
1: yeah i really like her game a lot uh her and renner i I love it renner's story about the comeback from the injury Mm -hmm. and how well she's playing and i asked frankel because i've been referring to andrea renner as hawkeye in my write-ups and uh because jeremy renner is hawkeye right yeah and uh I haven't heard her say stop doing it, so I asked <laughs> yeah. Frankel if she thought Andrea would be okay with it. And Frankel gave me the green light, so sorry, Andrea. Blame Aaron.
2: That's what she says.
1: Yeah. That's what Frankel
2: but, says. That's what goes.
1: <laughs> but she's another one uh, who, who has that that toughness and the, the grit to her that I, I respect that and appreciate it
2: Yeah, you know, as a yeah. fan. We have it all the way up and down our lineup. There's, yeah, there's like I said,
1: I'm not. We're not going to go through all. Of them. I'm going to rain it in, rain in. I get <laughs> all excited, get all excited. But talking about because the team's so good, uh, <laughs> and not not to. I don't want to besmirch your penalty kill. Uh, you guys are holding .092 is what you guys ended the season for your opposing teams' power play success.
2: Not bad. I'll take that.
1: Not bad. Not bad. It's, Merrimack, it's you should have Bur- been paying attention, Merrimack.
2: That is. Uh, that's Coach Berman.
1: Right there. You know, I said that also, not coach Carponito, if anyone gets up, upset from the Merrimack staff.
2: So No, no. I'm I'm saying that's uh the uh the penalty kill unit that's coach Berman.
1: Yeah, no, Berman it's it's solid. Good. I mean, yeah. I mean the the clogging lanes, yep. Yeah. keeping the puck on the perimeter, it's uh it's it's well done. I mean, it's it's it, oh, it's as good as the power play, I mean, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And with yeah. the war out there, it's a weapon as well.
2: We've we've got the right players for it, and you know they, they buy into to what Coach Berman is is preaching. And um, you know she's Coach Berman is, is incredibly knowledgeable at what she does, and um, she delivers the message right uh, the right way. And and she gets buy in from the players, and and that's how you're going to be successful. Right there is just is just the buy in effect.
1: Um, are you? Do the is the team getting together to watch the first round?
2: Yep. Nice little team meal. Uh, I don't know what time yet, but we'll we'll do something local, and then we'll head over to the rink and and uh, watch Wisconsin and Clarkson play. Oh, you're going to cool. watch
1: it at the rink? That's fun. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Nice. Well, listen, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, it's always great catching up with you. Uh, we will be there on Saturday, hopefully with the right results. I'll get to speak to you afterwards. Um, but, yeah. I can't. I, I just wish you the best. I wish the the longest run possible. You know, for these these this wagon of a team. There's no other way to describe them.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, we're we're hoping we're we're peaking at the right time. I think, and uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen. That, right. That's the beauty about this time of the year. So hopefully, uh, you know, only one game, only one team at the end of the year can win the last game of the season, and, and hopefully, it's us.
1: <laughs> knocking on wood for you right now, buddy. You can hear it there. You can hear it there. All right, well, so this was uh, associate head coach Nick Carponino from the Northeastern women's hockey team, uh, five-time defending hockey's champ, not a big deal. And uh, Saturday taking on the winner of uh, Wisconsin and uh, – who are they playing? Clarkson. Clarkson. Saturday at 1 o'clock at Historic Matthews Arena. Hope to see you there. Buddy, thanks again. Appreciate it.
2: No problem at all. Thank you.
1: All righty.